1 Kings 17, verses 1 through 7, one more time. We read in Yahweh's sacred scriptures. Now Elijah the Tishbite from the Gilead settlers said to Ahab, As Yahweh the Mighty One of Israel lives, I stand before him, and there will be no dew or rain during these years except by my command. Then a revelation from Yahweh came to him. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide yourself at the creek Cherith, where it enters the Jordan. You are to drink from the creek. I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. So he did what Yahweh commanded. Elijah left and lived by the creek Cherith, where it enters the Jordan. The ravens kept bringing him bread and meat in the morning and in the evening, and he drank from the creek. After a while, the wadi, the creek, dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Now, Yahweh bless his word to our hearts today. Today, I'd like to focus on one more point in these verses before we move on to where Elijah visits a widow woman in verses 8 through 16. We're going to talk about that next week. But I want to look today at the miraculous provision that Yahweh gave to his prophet, the prophet Elijah. Now, we know that he was told to hide by the creek Cherith at the entrance to the Jordan, meaning the Jordan River. But then we read in verse 4 that Yahweh commanded the ravens to feed Elijah at the creek. So the birds brought Elijah bread and meat in the morning and in the evening. That sounds pretty miraculous to me. You live out in the wilderness by the direction of Yahweh. Remember, Yahweh told him to go hide. Yahweh was hiding his word. He represented the word of Yahweh. The prophet did. He drank water from the creek. But where did he get his food? Well, imagine living by yourself in the wilderness and not having to go find food for yourself. Not having to hunt and kill anything. Not having to scavenge for berries or plants in the woods, but having birds show up two times a day in the morning and in the evening with bread and meat for you to eat. I can picture them flying in. Elijah wakes up in the morning. He rubs his eyes after a good night's sleep. He stretches. Then he hears something flapping in the morning breeze, Brother Ron. And it's the ravens. And he thinks to himself, well... Yahweh did tell me he was going to command them to bring me my meals. So it's time to eat. And it didn't just happen in the morning. It happened again in the evening. That's Yahweh's provision for the prophet. Now I talked in an earlier sermon about how Yahweh is in control of the weather. The Bible teaches that. Well, this text at hand is one of many that proves this in the first couple of verses. But in the next verses that we're going to look at today... I want to talk about how that Yahweh is in control of the animal kingdom. He has the power to command the birds to do what He wants them to do. And they have to do it. He commanded the ravens to feed Elijah twice a day, and that's what they did. The ravens were under the authority of Yahweh. He controlled them, just like He controlled the rain or the lack of rain, the drought. Yahweh stopped the rain. Yahweh commanded the ravens. So both the weather, the rain, and the birds obey Yahweh because He's the sovereign creator of each of them. 
There are so many Bible verses that teach that Yahweh controls the animals. But we may not have really pondered upon it before now. And this is why teaching through entire books of the Bible, chapter by chapter and verse by verse, is the best teaching. There's no other teaching that's better than that. Because when I teach verse by verse, it forces me to look at and study and teach on subjects that I probably would never teach on if I just taught on the topics that I wanted to teach about all the time. I'm not saying topical teaching is wrong. Sometimes I've taught on marriage as a topic. Sometimes I've taught on baptism as a topic. That's fine. But the best teaching is verse-by-verse exposition, looking at the context, looking at each verse, and it helps us to look at subjects that we probably wouldn't notice if we didn't teach or study verse by verse. So in looking intently at these first seven verses, I've brought out a lot of points in the sermons. I hope you've listened. I hope you've gleaned. I hope it's been a blessing to you. But one of the points that I've been looking at is how that Yahweh controls the animals. I've never spent a lot of time studying this before, but this passage clearly proves that Yahweh is in control of the ravens. He commanded the ravens, and they did what he commanded. Well, let's think about a few more texts that most likely you're all familiar with, but you maybe have never taken the time to meditate upon, like me. Let's think about a few of these. We won't turn to them, just listen, and hopefully you'll learn some things. In the book of Exodus, we have the list of the plagues upon the land of Egypt. And in Exodus 8, we have one of the plagues. It's the fourth plague upon the land of Egypt. And in that chapter, Yahweh says this, I will send swarms of flies against you, your officials and your people and your houses. The Egyptians' houses will swarm with flies, and so will the land where they live. That passage teaches that Yahweh controlled the flies. He sent the swarms of flies. And later on in that chapter, if you continue to read, the Bible says that Yahweh took the flies away. So when he wanted them to be sent, he sent them. When he wanted them to be taken away, he took them away. Yahweh was in control. In Numbers 22, we read this not long ago in our reading of the law on Sabbath. In Numbers 22, we read that Yahweh opened up a donkey's mouth and caused an animal to speak intelligently to a man named Balaam. Yahweh controlled the donkey. Yahweh is the one that gave the donkey the ability to speak to a man. That doesn't mean the donkey continued on talking in Hebrew the rest of the donkey's life, but Yahweh caused the donkey to speak that day to Balaam where Balaam could understand and they could have a conversation. Yahweh controls the animals. In Jonah chapter 1, the Bible says that Yahweh appointed a huge fish to swallow Jonah. Yahweh made that fish swallow Jonah. Yahweh had a purpose in what he was doing. He was in control of that fish. That fish did exactly what Yahweh commanded and appointed it to do. In Daniel chapter 6, when King Darius came in the morning to check on Daniel, after he threw him into the lion's den, King Darius didn't want to throw him in the lion's den, but he had already made a decree because there were some other guys in the kingdom that didn't like Daniel and they tricked Darius into doing something he didn't realize he was doing. So when Daniel was praying to Yahweh, not Darius, they threw him into the lion's den based on the decree that Darius had signed. 
Well, Darius came the next morning. The Bible said he spent all night. Didn't sleep, didn't eat, paced. And he came the next morning to the den. And he called out to Daniel and said, Hey, Daniel, Daniel, are you okay? Hoping that maybe he was alive. And Daniel said this, My mighty one sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths. They haven't hurt me, for I was found innocent before him. Also, I have not committed a crime against you, my king. Yahweh shut the lion's mouths. They didn't try to eat Daniel, but it was only because Yahweh changed their will and their desire to not want to eat Daniel. Now in that same chapter, Darius then had the men who sought to accuse and kill Daniel thrown into the den of lions. And the Bible tells us that those same lions that didn't eat Daniel overpowered and crushed the family or families that got thrown into the den. Before those men ever hit the ground, the lions opened their mouth, crushed the bones of those men. So Yahweh, the same Yahweh that shut the lions' mouths when his Righteous servant Daniel was in the pit, opened the same lion's mouths to crush the unrighteous wicked men that accused Daniel wrongly. Yahweh controls the animals. This is biblical. Think back to Genesis chapter 6, where Yahweh commanded Noah to take all the animals, the male and its female, on the ark. Seven pairs of the clean animals, one pair of the unclean. Well, how in the world did all those animals get to Noah? Did Noah have to go search for all the birds and the grasshoppers and the rabbits? Did Noah have Shem and Japheth lurking around trying to catch the crickets? Did Noah have to catch the chickens? Did he have to lasso the wild stallions? No, he didn't. In Genesis 6, Yahweh says this, he always speaks to Noah and says, Two of everything, from the birds according to their kinds, from the livestock according to their kinds, and from the animals that crawl on the ground according to their kinds, will come to you so that you can keep them alive. He's talking about in the boat or in the ark. Who do you think made all those animals come to Noah? Yahweh. Yahweh made them come to Noah. Yahweh is so powerful. He's all-powerful that he could command all those animals to walk, hop, or fly right to Noah and board that ark. Yahweh's in control of the animals. And of course we have our text today. Yahweh commanded the ravens to feed the prophet Elijah. What an awesome creator we serve. It makes me smile just to think about it. He controls the rain. He sends the rain. He makes the sun. The Bible calls it his son. In Matthew 5, Yeshua says, that that sun is Yahweh's sun, makes his sun to shine. Okay? So he makes that sun come up, he controls the rain, and he controls the animals. He does. Now, I don't think this means that Yahweh is constantly making the chicken scratch, fly, lay an egg, walk up their roost each night. I do think that he created them to do all those things. That's how he designed them, by their nature to act. But I don't think Yahweh's up there pulling levers that say scratch the dirt, lay an egg, and all that. They do those things naturally because that's what they were created to do. However, if if Yahweh wants an animal to do something, Yahweh can impose His will upon that animal and make it do what He wants it to do in that particular situation. This is what the Bible teaches. He can make a huge fish swallow Jonah 
He can make that same fish that swallowed Jonah spit him up. He can make a donkey talk to a man. He can close the lion's mouth, and then that same lion, he can open the lion's mouth. This shows us that ultimately Yahweh is in control. Whenever His will meets up with the will of an animal, Yahweh's will always wins. He has the authority over His creation to make it do what He desires for it to do. Now, before we move on from our text, there is one more point I would like to talk about today in these verses. So I want to shift gears from what we just discussed. Yahweh is in control of the animal kingdom. I want to shift gears here to something else. I want you to think about the ravens bringing Elijah food. Now, to a Hebrew, which Elijah was, Hebrew Israelite man, to a Hebrew, what is a raven? An unclean bird. It is not on Yahweh's menu for His people to eat. Since my children were very little, that's how we always explain the dietary laws to the children. Yahweh has a menu. We only eat what's on His menu. If it's not on His menu, we don't eat it. Okay? Raven is not on Yahweh's menu. It might be on a restaurant's menu. I don't know. Never seen roasted raven. But it's not on Yahweh's menu. Okay? Now, there have been times in my walk when I have heard people talk about unclean animals, not necessarily in here, but just visiting and meeting a lot of people in our movement, so to speak. I've heard people talk about unclean animals and speak as though they're altogether bad animals. But we should not view any animal or bird that Yahweh created as bad in and of itself. Just because we're not allowed to eat it doesn't mean it can't serve a purpose. We don't eat dogs either, right? But even the dogs eat from the crumbs that fall from the master's table, right? Okay. Just because we can't eat an animal doesn't mean an animal doesn't serve a purpose. Take the pig, for example, the swine. The pig is probably the most well-known unclean animal in the whole Bible. But Yahweh created that pig for a reason. There's a reason that pig exists. Pigs are great garbage disposals. Back in the times before people had garbage disposals attached to their sinks, they could have a few pigs out back to help them clean up their leftover food. That would be one way that a pig would be beneficial for a Hebrew even to have. Listen to this. I watched a YouTube video once of a man who's a Christian man. He's an avid homesteader, and he has a herd of swine, a herd of pigs. He raises pigs, and he calls his pigs God's rototillers. He showed in this video how that before planting season, he would let his pigs go into his large garden area and they would have that whole garden, probably, I think I think he said it was half or three-quarters of an acre, they would have that whole garden tilled up in just a few hours. They would root up rocks, they'd root up sticks, they'd churn that garden up for this man. That man's pigs served a purpose. They weren't on Yahweh's menu to eat. I don't know whether the man ate the pigs or not. I don't know if he's got that knowledge of the truth yet or not. I don't know. But they served another purpose besides on your dinner plate. He called them God's rototillers. See, the pig was not created by Yahweh to be received for supper. But that doesn't mean that the pig is a bad animal. The pig was one of Yahweh's created animals. And the same goes for the ravens. 
we might think, well, why would Yahweh use an unclean bird to bring Elijah his meals? But that would not be biblical thinking. Just because we're not to eat the raven, like we would eat the pheasant or the dove, doesn't mean that the raven is a useless animal. Yahweh used the ravens. They were the waiters and waitresses for Elijah for a while, for a long time. They brought Elijah's breakfast and supper for him every day. Now, I want us to think about how that this might apply to us today. What might we glean? What kind of principle might we learn from this? Well, see, Yahweh used what we might consider to be an unlikely vessel to bring food to Elijah. I mean, if we had a hundred guesses on how Elijah might be fed, would we ever say, well, it'll be the ravens. They're the ones that'll feed Elijah. Probably not. Maybe. Probably not. Yahweh used an unlikely vessel, the ravens, to bring Elijah sustenance for his physical body. And sometimes Yahweh uses, a lot of times, Yahweh uses unlikely vessels to bring us messages or to teach us lessons in our life. We may pray for Yahweh to show us what to do in a situation, and along after that prayer comes someone we don't really care for. But they're bringing us the message. They're the answer to our prayer. Maybe they're younger than you are, and you don't think that they know enough to teach you anything. But Yahweh can use a young person to teach you something. Yahweh can use a little child like David there who's only seven years old to bring us a message that we need to hear. Or maybe Yahweh uses an elderly person that a young person does not think is up to date with all the technology in the world, everything that's going on. Oh, they're too old-fashioned. They're just not up with the times. But none of that can stop Yahweh from using them. Yahweh can speak to a teenager through a 100-year-old man or woman even though it might be an unlikely vessel in the teenager's eyes. Maybe you've been praying and hoping for an answer from Yahweh, and then the answer comes to you, but it's not the one that you wanted. So you don't think it's Yahweh answering, but it is. Maybe you want a battle to be over, but Yahweh knows that you need to battle longer to learn a life lesson. And so He keeps the battle going in your life. Or you think that Yahweh needs to work something out for you and make something possible, but Yahweh knows you don't need it worked out in your life. So He doesn't make it happen. See, we need to be sensitive to Yahweh's dealings with us in our lives. If we keep trying to do something, but it never happens, maybe Yahweh is trying to tell us something. Maybe Yahweh is not letting it happen for a reason, for a purpose. A reason we can't see and understand, but He can because His thoughts are higher above ours than the heavens are above the earth. There was one time in my life that I had my heart set on moving to a farm that I bought in Tennessee, a 27-acre farm in an Amish community. I love the slower pace of life. I still love the slower pace of life. One of my favorite things to do is work in the garden. It's therapy for me. I enjoy living off the land. There's something about planting a seed, watering it, and watching it grow, and then harvesting the fruit off of that plant and eating out of your own garden. There's something special about that. I love it. I tell people there's nothing in the world like biting in 
to a ripe tomato that you just picked off of the vine. I mean, it's great. I eat them raw all the time when I'm out working in the garden. Raw tomatoes right off the vine. Well, I tried to move to that land, but it didn't happen. So, I tried again, and it didn't happen. One time I tried to move to Montana, and it didn't happen. And it seemed like every time that I would set my heart on moving there, something would stop me. And so I, what did I do? I kept trying to move. Kept trying to do what I thought would be best. But then, when I stopped trying to move to Tennessee, I tried to sell that farm, 27-acre farm, and boom, it sold in no time. Just like that. No problem. Now, I believe Yahweh wanted me to stay here and minister in this particular church. I personally believe that that is why, that is one of the main reasons that Yahweh did not have me move. It's because he said, Matthew, I've put you here, and until I'm done with you here, this is where you're going to stay. And so I'm still here in Conyers, and I'm still preaching at this church. And if Yahweh has me preaching at this church until I'm 100 years old, then so let it be. There are people that I've met since then that I probably would have never met if I would have moved to Tennessee. Now, I wanted to do something one way, but Yahweh said, No, Matthew, I'm going to impose my will on your life, and I'm going to make you stay where I want you to stay instead of move. Two people that come to my mind, they're not here tonight. They may be listening by way of telephone or Brother TJ and Sister Kim. They stick out in my mind because I've been neighbors with them for a long time now, going on 10 years, I think. Had I have moved, I would have probably, in all likelihood, never become neighbors with the Martins, the Martin clan, the Martin tribe. Me and TJ would have never had those biblical discussions. See, Yahweh makes things happen in our lives for a purpose, for a reason. And sometimes He does things in a way that we don't expect. Just like He sent ravens to feed the prophet. Yahweh sends people into our lives that we would not think of being in our lives. But He has purposes and plans. Yahweh sends us messages from people that we may not expect to be the messenger. We just knelt down and we've been praying and we've been crying and we've wanted an answer from Yahweh and send us a message, send us a fleece and all of a sudden along comes a little child or along comes a messenger that you didn't expect and they have the answer that you've been praying for. Sometimes Yahweh sends quote unquote ravens and we think in our minds, can't you send somebody else Yahweh? Can't you send somebody else? Can't you give me a different answer? And he says, no my son, no my daughter, This is the messenger that I have sent. This is the message that you need. This is the battle that you must fight. This is what you must go through. This is what is best for you. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that when I plan things that I'm not really supposed to do, that Yahweh can change my itinerary. I'm thankful about that. Because I want Him to order my steps in His Word, not in Matthew's way. Unlikely messengers and unlikely messages come into our lives 
for a reason. One of those reasons is this. They teach us that Yahweh is in control. You know, that's what those ravens taught Elijah. There is no way that Elijah could have thought of anything else but Yahweh, you're really in control because there is no way these ravens will be bringing me breakfast and supper every day unless you commanded them to do it. If everything happened like we thought it was going to happen in our lives, if everything happened how we wanted it to happen in our lives, we may not give Yahweh the credit. We may not see the hand of Yahweh working in our life. But when things happen that we didn't expect, that we did not see coming, things we don't expect make Yahweh's mighty hand more visible in our life. Because we think and we say, Man, there's no other way this could have happened but by the hand of Yahweh. Yahweh's all over this situation. I didn't plan this. I planned that. And Yahweh said, no, different itinerary, different plans. The plans of man are many, Solomon said, but Yahweh is the one who directs our steps. When you pray and you seek for answers, do not expect Yahweh to always answer in the way that you want Him to. Sometimes He will. Sometimes we'll be praying right in accordance with His will. And He'll answer how you expect. But don't expect Yahweh to always answer how you think He should answer. When a raven comes to bring you meat, don't think that it's supposed to be a dove. I can't accept it from a raven. I needed to be a clean animal. I needed to be a dove. I sure would like it, Yahweh, if you'd show me this in another way through another person. Yahweh says, no, I'm going to show you my hands all over your situation. I'm going to leave my fingerprints all over it. When a child comes to teach me something that I need to learn, I don't need to think that it's supposed to be a celebrity or a CEO of a big company. A little child's just fine. As a matter of fact, Yeshua says, I'm supposed to be like David to enter the kingdom of heaven. I've just seen a lot of people in church and and Christianity in general think that children aren't at the level that they need to be to experience certain things. And I I don't see that in the Bible. I see where they were eating the Passover right with all the adults. I see where they were dwelling in booths right with all the adults. I see where the little children cross the Red Sea just like the adults cross the Red Sea. We need to learn from them. Yeshua said, Suffer them to come unto me. Forbid them not. The little infants, for such is the kingdom of the Almighty. So I don't need to think, Boy, it sure would be a lot easier for me to stomach this that I need to know through somebody that I highly esteem. But Yahweh says, No, I'm going to bring it to you in another avenue so you'll know it's really me. You know I'm working. Yahweh could have directly dropped Elijah breakfast out of the sky. Yahweh could have opened the sky up and Elijah could have saw a big giant hand of Yahweh come down and drop the food. Yahweh could have done that if he wanted to do it. But instead, Yahweh said, No, I'm going to appoint some unclean birds to bring Elijah breakfast and supper. Yahweh has always used the weak, the pitiful, and the unlikely to do his jobs. Nobody expected for a little shepherd boy to defeat the great giant from Gath. Nobody expected that. Nobody thought it was a smart move to walk around the walls of Jericho instead of just go in and and fight. Nobody thought it was a smart move to dwindle Gideon's army down to 300 men just because they drank a certain way from the brook. Yahweh's ways are not our ways. He speaks and teaches us in ways to show us He's in control. He's always used the weak. There's not many mighty according to the flesh, not many noble according to the flesh. 
He's hid it from the wise and prudent. He's revealed it unto babes. Sometimes I wonder how me, a septic man, a man that lives in Conyers, Georgia, a man that is not very well known, why does Yahweh choose to deal with me? Why does Yahweh choose to show me things when I study the Bible? I don't know, but it's not up to me. It's up to the Almighty. It's up to the Heavenly Father. He's never worked according to man's ways because He wants us to have faith not in the ways of man, not in horses or in chariots, but in His name and in His power. Let's remember that. Next week we're going to talk about Elijah and the widow woman. Let's stand and close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. This truly is a lamp and a light. Thankful for the guidance that it gives us. Father, I pray that this lesson, these Bible verses, will cause us to remember that You are in control. Even when things don't go as we planned, even when things are not working out as we think they should, You're still in control. I ask that You would help us believe that because it's so difficult to believe when we're in the midst of a a terrible storm, spiritual storm. It's so hard to believe. But yet your Bible is so crystal clear on it. You've got it all planned out. Give us faith. Increase our faith. May we reach out, grab a hold to your word, and believe it with all of our heart. Through your Son I pray. Amen.